Welcome to this osteopathic life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 18 of season one of this osteopathic life. Today, I'd like to talk about a question that comes up a lot in my household and as I've reflected on it significantly in this past week, also what it means for patients and for nurturing of the health. And perhaps reflective of what's been a relatively challenging year and my response to it, various stress levels that have come up. Often my husband will ask me, what's wrong now? Or, what's the matter? And those I find to be hard questions. And finally one day, I paused and reflected and got clearer and more direct, which is not my forte, and said to him, it feels really challenging to have that be the question that you ask because it already makes the assumption that something is wrong and it doesn't feel like there's a way to positively answer that question because the best case scenario is saying nothing which often isn't accepted because the assumption has already been made that something is wrong or that you have to delve into negativity And I take responsibility for the initiation of that question, for perhaps presenting by facial expression or body language or what I maybe said earlier or in a written message, presenting that something always is wrong or something is the matter in the negative connotation that that often brings. And it was actually enlightening for me to finally sit with it and reflect on it and realize why that question often made me feel more frustrated than perhaps I already was or frustrated if I hadn't been prior. And it's challenging because the intention behind the question is to find out what's wrong in order to help solve what's wrong or to make it better. And that's a valid and valuable place to be at the same time, it doesn't leave a lot of space for things not to be wrong. And so my suggestion and something that I've been trying to practice with my children, because I often, as I did some inventory, realized that I would say the same to them, is to say, is there anything that you need? What can I help you with? How are you? 
sometimes are you okay? And that one even occasionally can feel like it's walking a line. And I can see the difficulty with thinking, well, it's just, you know, semantics. You know, is it really that big of a deal? But I think that it is. You know, I think that it colors the conversation from the outset. And as I put that into the context of seeing my patients, I often try to open with, how are you today? What can I help you with? What brings you in? How have things been going? And I think about which of those offers the most opportunity for things to be going well. And it's challenging because folks don't often go to the doctor to high-five it out for how great their health is. Although I will admit I do have those visits and they're the most fulfilling of the ones that I experience. They're often coming with a chief complaint. You know, that's how we start the documentation in our medical record. And so they're prepared you know, to tell you what hasn't been going well. And if they're there to, to help solve a problem and to get advice, there are merits to that. But I wonder how much it would change if we started any conversation and if I started my conversations more deliberately in the office with what's been going right with you? What is well with you? When have you felt the most healthy? When has the health been most robust for you since I saw you last? And I'll often ask a similar question in my initial intake. You know, when do you last remember feeling the most healthy or the version of health that you would like to have? And sometimes it's recent, sometimes it's very remote, sometimes it's never for patients. And that gives us a context of where we are, what we can work with, what picture we're going to paint for health, what goals we're going to set, how we can be fully present in the now and what we'll do moving forward. And certainly documentation doesn't always welcome documenting the health. In our treatment, we document areas of restriction and how they respond to the treatment. And you know, documenting for my own purposes what restrictions have improved, what areas are moving well, helps me to see where the vitality and the health are the strongest for the patient, but is not always meaningful um, to, ironically, health insurance companies. Because if they're healthy, they shouldn't have to engage with a physician, which is true on some level, but also if we're trying to augment health and grow resilience and potency of health and prevent disease, again, perhaps seeing us when that spectrum of health is just starting to lose its vibrancy and color and move toward the gray zone will be better than when it's you know, completely blacked out. In any case, even in a conversation specifically this week with a patient, you know, we were talking about the challenges and worked to shift that framework you know, to what can you see that's gone well today, this week, this month, this year? Can we highlight that? Can we see why that's going well and how we can capitalize on whatever energy surrounds that, relationships, you know, circumstances, settings, 
that have contributed to your success in that component of your life. I see patients a lot for pain. And often, if you've had pain acutely or chronically, you'll often do a pain inventory as soon as you wake up. Because pain can be wearing, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. And you kind of want to know that next day on waking, is it there? You know, is where is the pain? How is the pain? How bad is the pain? But if we're waking up and our first question is, again, what's wrong with me? Where is this pain? Why is it still there? How different could the experience be if we woke up and said, what feels good? Where do I feel the best? Doing a moment of inventory, closing your eyes, you know, looking internally at where your body feels the best. And maybe it's a tiny part, you know, of your left arm and that's it. You know, you might have pain everywhere else, but you have this one space of pain-free experience. Can you highlight that? Can you augment that? Can you honor that as your first step and breath and path in the morning instead of, oh, the pain's there. I hope it's at this level another day. And I'm not saying pretend the pain isn't there, the dysfunction isn't there, the problems aren't there, but I'm saying focus first on what's going well. And I speak this primarily to myself. I've always been the person where nine things could have gone wrong, but I'm going to focus on that one. Excuse me. See, I even said it there. Nine things could have gone right, very well indeed, and I'll focus on the one that went wrong and how to fix it, and that feels like meritable, you know, trying to have solutions and solve things. But if you can't take a moment and pause and celebrate what went well, you may never be able to feel satisfied or successful or to have the energy left to make progress with that thing that still needs correction or fine-tuning. And so I challenge all of us to shift that dialogue and you know, instead of taking inventory on dysfunction, take inventory on the functional, the optimized, the well parts of you internally, externally, in relationships, in work, in the changes you have made, in the lifestyle adjustments that you seek. And if you still get caught up in what isn't working well, harness the good, take inventory from the good and see what about those functional pieces you could maybe apply to what isn't going well. But hopefully give yourself time to celebrate and to honor the good for a moment before moving on to assess what needs to be improved upon. In looking for various quotes on health and osteopathy, one that came up not out of osteopathy, but from Plato, that the part can never be well unless the whole is well. And it's interesting to think about, again, looking at the well part and seeing how we can apply that to improve the dysfunctional piece. But this saying that the part can never be well unless the whole is well feels a little bit like you're putting the cart in front of the horse. You know, how can you fix 
how can the parts still need to be fixed if the whole is well? And perhaps that's the point. And we talk about visualization and anticipatory guidance and, you know, being grateful for blessings you haven't yet received in order to be able to receive them, making space for them to come through. And perhaps this means, can we take a moment and consider the whole and consider all that's well with it and let the part move into that, the part that's dysfunctional, the part that's ill, the part that has dis-ease, move into that perception of the whole being well Can we acknowledge that us as part of our community can't be well unless the whole community is well and controlling what we can within that? You know, what positive energy are we giving to the community? What contributions are we making to the whole so that we as a part of it can truly be well? And applying that to ourselves, you know, the community of the ecosystem and, you know, the microbiome and the genome that is our self. Can we honor the whole and the magnificence of the design and the capacity and the ability to even make space for the opportunity for the parts that may be dysfunctional to move in to a space of wellness? We have to take it all into consideration, but shifting those dialogues, those words, those semantics, the focus can be really powerful. I noticed it on a recent trip with my daughter and I would have to catch myself. And most of the time I did it before the words came out of my mouth, but as I went to check on what she needed, just to say, how are you? Is there anything you need? How's your trip going? I need to make that next step and say, what's going well with you? What is right with you? What are you enjoying about this day? It'll be a work in progress, to be sure. I spoke in the opening episode about the passing of my mentor back in the winter and on his request and through the coordination of his family, the celebration of life was set to take place in June. And this past week, one week ago, June 14th, we gathered for a celebration of life marked by a community gathering and a greeting line with his family and a slideshow of pictures from all stages of his life and sharing of memories and experiences and reflections from his son, from colleagues, and from lifelong friends. And it was a great experience to hear that personal side of someone who I knew professionally, you know, as a mentor, as a colleague, as a teacher, as a physician practicing medicine. And to hear that reflected from his son and also how it parlayed into his personal life was really powerful. And there was a common sentiment throughout of the extraordinary kindness um, 
of this man in all facets of his life, personally and professionally, unbiased, you know, open, heartfelt kindness to whomever he encountered, to whomever needed help. And I wholeheartedly agree. He was always present and willing and able to help. And it was also interesting to hear the reflection of one of my colleagues who also came through the training program. And I shared this component of it that through all of the kindness and the caring, there was also a sternness and a high level of expectations. And as a student on his service, you know, it could seem scary and intimidating because you knew he expected you to be on the ball, to know, to have you know, done your homework, to have the answers to the questions he asked, and a bit of fierceness about him. And one of the stories related was that he had warmth and kindness in his eyes and ice water in his veins. And this alluded to his time in the emergency room, you know, where there's a place for caring, and then there's also this need to be stern and direct and clear and that can sometimes be perceived you know as unkindness and thankfully it came across to everyone who encountered him and worked with him you know both as a patient as a colleague as a learner that he balanced both so well and I appreciate that and I aspire to that and how to carry both effectively, you know, to hold high standards and, you know, be strong and direct and clear as a teacher, as a physician, as a parent, as a partner, as a member of the community, balanced alongside softness and warmth and kindness and to show that both can coexist And I think that speaks well to this concept of holding the health, honoring the health, prioritizing the health, and recognizing that that requires a high level of commitment to education and to focus and to lifelong endeavors in cultivating and serving oneself and the community and beyond, and also simply love, love of the health and love of other people at a level so deep that it's just inherent. And in coaching this new dialogue and in shifting the way that we see and hear and speak with and to each other, making space for both to coexist, ease and dis-ease, health and illness as part of the whole and seeking how we can serve to nurture and cultivate the wellness of that. And being in this room with these hundreds of people who had been touched by his 75 years of life and 50 years of the practice of medicine, appreciating 
that someone could be seen and heard and felt so clearly for who they were and how they were and honor for what is right with them. We had the recent experience at a soccer game over the Memorial Day weekend of this hawk flying over and taking a baby bird in its claws and the remainder of the flock of what appeared to be crows circling around this hawk and pecking at him until he released the baby bird and then they stayed and took turns, you know, staying in circle around him and individually swooping in, you know, to peck at him and drove him away from their territory. And I may have even mentioned this in a previous episode under a different context, but as I looked at it this week, came up in conversation as I was talking with the patient about birds um, and seeing that flock mentality and support and strength in numbers and that realization that it took the whole to save the part. You know, that flock was needed in their fullness and their entirety to release that part, that member, from an undesirable fate. And I've had some various moments in community in recent weeks where it's become so clear to me that you know the most important thing I can value is to be well in the wholeness of myself so I can contribute to the wellness of the whole around me and also that we need each other you know to link arms and be a part of the flock and be willing to recognize that we have to work together to support the part that might not be well. We have to be well ourselves and collective in order to make space for healing of parts that need to. And we need to show up. We need to recognize that what affects a part of us affects us all. And to take a moment and take inventory and see who is our flock you know who is showing up for us for whom are we willing and able to show up and perhaps begin to expand that perspective and see that what's negatively affecting one of us is affecting us all and we can need to be part of the solution And the best way we can be part of that solution is by honoring, promoting, presenting, preserving, practicing health ourselves and fostering the capacity for health in others when perhaps they don't have the internal means to do so for themselves. And I'll say that I'm so grateful for many moments in my life and in these recent weeks and months and year when my 
flock has shown up and they've circled around and they've gotten me out of those talons and stayed the course until safety was guaranteed for all. And I will pledge to continue to do my best to circle around when it's someone else in the talons of the predator of safety and well-being and health and join in the collective, offer my support and strength and seek to be a protector, a steward um, of the health. And I move into this next week inspired by a musical group that performed last night at the Green Show of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival here in Ashland called Mood Candy. And they performed last year and again this year. And they're a sweet and soulful and inspiring group. And talk about unity and love and health and blessings through their music. And that was a line that came through. You have to give the gratitude first for the blessings to come down. And again, a micro shift, but also a cataclysmic change in perspective. I've talked about gratitude journals in previous episodes, and I've been doing that, and they often end up as a reflection. You know, I write them in the morning, but they're often being grateful for something that transpired the day before, and I expand on that. And I don't think that's inappropriate, but I'm going to challenge myself. And this will probably mean getting a new gratitude journal and taking it in this direction. Writing out a gratitude for what is yet to come, for you know that which I envision for my future or hope for the future of the world. And write the gratitude as if it already exists. And then let that move through. And I'll report back to you on the outcome of that shift in experience and dynamic. So from today, I hope you'll join me in these challenges to be true advocates of the health, to stop asking ourselves and each other what is wrong or what's the matter or where is the pain, where is the dysfunction, and start asking What is right with you? What is well with you? How is your health? What is working well? Where isn't the pain if we must go there? And also to allow for there to be that balance of stern and sweet, direct and kind, clear, in whole in yourself and to truly see, hear, and honor each other in our authentic way of being. And finally, to consider your role in the flock. And when you're in need of service, who is there gathering around you that will rise up and be part of the wellness of the whole to give opportunity for the part to be well and where you are when others are in need, how you're contributing to that component. 
that'll wrap the episode for today and a new perspective for me and hopefully for you on how we speak and behave in the wellness of the whole together. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.